Hey, and thanks for tuning in to the Father's House podcast. The Father's House exists to see people discover life in Jesus. We hope that today's message brings you fresh life and renewed hope as you listen. Enjoy. If you're new with us, we are in the middle of a series that we're calling Not My Job. See, because I, I think that as we start following after Jesus, and you know, the Bible says we should be like Jesus, sometimes we start trying to do his job. <laughs> but in the body of Christ, there is a role that we play, and I love the tagline to this, that we have to know our role and not play God. So it's been a great series, and actually, Tim opened up this last week talking about some of the odd jobs that he had in his teenage years, and I was like, well, I haven't preached in a while. Some of you don't know me. What a better way to get to know a little bit about me than to tell you some of the jobs that I had when I was a kid. Of course, there was babysitting and like dog walking for sure. But my first real job was at a grocery store and I was a courtesy clerk. If you're like, what's a courtesy clerk? It's a fancy word for bagger. You ever see that movie, that David Spade movie, Joe Dirt? And he like introduces himself, I'm Joseph Dierte. No, your boy, your name is Joe Dirt. Don't try and spice it up. I don't know why I'm speaking in that accent. It's kind of more fun. What if I preach the whole time like that? But that's how I felt about this title, Courtesy Clerk. I basically bagged people's groceries. But there was a few other things I did. Uh, there was a cart competition that me and the other, other courtesy clerks had. Of course, I'm all about if it's, it's about working out and like who can lift the heaviest thing or push, you know, the most carts. I was all about that competition. But my favorite thing to do as a courtesy clerk was processing what we called spoils. So at a grocery store, if people don't buy the turkey or the bologna or the milk or the orange juice, then we have to process those spoils. So my favorite thing was going into the back of the grocery store and there was this big utility sink and I would cut open packages of old turkey and bologna to separate the plastic from the compost. Uh, but the greatest part, I know you're like, okay, I guess I am getting to know you, this is kind of creepy. The greatest part of the spoil processing was when we would take half gallons of orange juice or milk, and we wouldn't just like carefully open them up and gently pour them out. No, you got to take out your aggression with these spoils. There's a big utility sink, and you would take the side of that carton of milk, and you would slam it against the side to make the carton pop open, and all the milk goes flying out. And it was a competition to see how many, of, how many half gallons of milk and orange juice we could process. So that's just a little bit about me. I clearly liked dirty jobs because a couple years later, I got a job as a sterilization tech for an oral surgeon. So my job was basically to clean and sterilize all the tools that the surgeon would use. It's not just like the little scrapey things and the little like cutty things. I clearly don't know what the tools are called. I wasn't there for that long. But also the tubes. And you know, when you go to the dentist, you know that tube? Yeah, well, oral surgery, I won't explain to you what was inside that tube that I cleaned out. You can use your imagination. But I apparently was pretty good at this job that the oral surgeon said, hey, would you like to kind of advance in your career here? I'd like to start training you to be a assistant for me on surgeries. And I'm like, well, if the stuff in the tube doesn't gross me out, sure, I'll give it a whirl. So I stood next to the dentist with the tools and I handed them that, him, 
Yes, I handed him the tools. But there was another part that I had to participate in where I actually had to take the tools and help with him with certain things. Don't worry, the person was unconscious, so they didn't know that a non-trained professional was actually doing surgery on them. But pretty quickly, me and the surgeon figured out that I was not cut out for this job. Why? Because there's something very important that you need in order to hold sharp tools near someone's gums, and that's vision. And I had terrible vision. So what did I do? I quit. I just quit that job. I knew it wasn't cut out for it. And when it comes to the kingdom, I think that there are some jobs that we are trying to do that we simply just need to quit, that we're not cut out for them. And last week, Tim talked about conviction. Honestly, this was one of my favorite words that he's preached because I think the truth is we don't realize that we are the one who's trying to do God's job and bring conviction to other people in their sin. And he reminded us that we need to drop the rocks and that we need to lead with love. If you haven't heard that, I want you to go check that out online. Yes, claps, because it was a good one. Well... Today, I want to talk about another God job that we are ill-equipped to perform. And I think this is one that all of us can relate to because we've all tried to do this job from time to time over our Christian walk. Whether you're new or you've been on the team for a while, this is one that we have tried to take from God. But it is a job that only God can do. And that's this. It's righteousness. Specifically, it's not our job to produce righteousness. It's not our job. See, righteousness means right standing before God. And actually, the deeper meaning to righteousness is this word justification. It means that when Jesus went to the cross for us, he didn't get what he deserved and we didn't get what we deserved. Because Jesus walked the planet as a sinless man. He didn't sin even once. And because of that, he had the ability to have right standing with God. But us, on the other hand, we're sinful people. We don't have that ability to approach God. And it says in Romans chapter 3 that this beautiful exchange happened on the cross when Jesus took all of our sin and he gave us righteousness. Use this word imputed. He imputed his righteousness to us. He gave us something that we don't deserve. This is the gospel. This is what he's done so that we could walk out free, so that we could live new lives in him. He gave us his righteousness. And If you're taking notes today, you can write this down. The working title for this message is Remain in Righteousness. And if you've got your Bible, we're going to go to the book of Philippians as our main text today. It says this in Philippians 1 verse 9. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. 
Now, the Apostle Paul was writing this letter to a group of believers in a church called Philippi. And this wasn't just any church, but this was a church that was near and dear to his heart because it was a church that he had actually started. And he takes his time with this letter to write to them. And I love at the beginning, before we get to verse 9, if you look at the beginning of this text, he addresses who he's writing to. And he says, I'm writing to all of the saints. So he's writing to all of the believers in the community. And then he specifically points out, in addition to all the saints, I'm also writing to the overseers and the deacons. Now, these were the pastors and the leaders of the time. And I love this because Paul's pointing out, I am writing to all of you. I'm not just writing to the brand new believers that are in the community, you know, those who are maybe still a little rough around the edges, those who haven't memorized John 3.16 yet, or have a Christian playlist. But I'm also writing to you mature believers. I'm also writing to remind you of some stuff. I wanna remind you what your role is in the body of Christ. So today, whether you are a brand new believer or you're mature in the Lord and you've been following him for a long time, this is for all of us. Paul was writing to the entire church and this is for all of us. So when it comes to trying to do the job of righteousness, I think that there are two traps that we can find ourselves falling into. The first trap, and if you're taking notes, you can write this down. The first trap is self-sufficiency. Self-sufficiency. These, the, these are the Christians that started off and they gave their life to Jesus in the beginning. They started walking out this life of faith and they knew in the beginning that they couldn't produce their own righteousness. They knew that it all came from God. They knew that I am incapable of this. But as time passed, as they started walking out their journey of faith and transformation started taking place in their life, something happened. All of a sudden, they started to take credit for the, the life that they're living, for the good things that are happening, for the life change in their world. And they started taking credit for this right living. This is kind of the person who becomes a little bit arrogant in their faith. And they start looking down on others who aren't living quite as spiritually, you know, elite as them. So the person who's like, you know, I, I wake up in the morning and I, I spend like two, two and a half hours praying for the nations. And it's not a big deal, but I am kind of a big deal, I do. I just been reading my word and I've, I've, I've learned so much. I just have so much that I can give. In fact, uh, when I, I join my Zoom call for work and the team I'm on, I just find myself just telling everybody how they need to live. And, and you know, very encouraging. A lot of people come to me and I know I could lay on the couch at the end of the day, but instead I, I find myself just pouring out more, just giving to others, telling them where they should be, you know, just because I have so much. And then I, of course, you know, spend my time feeding and clothing. The, you know, just, it's not about me, but I mean, it is, it is. And there can be this pride and this spiritual arrogance where we look down on those around us who aren't as spiritually elite as us. 
You know, it's interesting because although they started out knowing that their righteousness came from God, all of a sudden they've taken it upon themselves to say, but now that I've started the journey, it's my responsibility to produce righteousness in my life. I'm responsible for the right living. So we, ha- we see that self-sufficiency. It's a trap we can fall in. But the contrast to self-sufficiency is self-depreciation. The kind of flip side. Now, these are the people who are constantly insecure when it comes to approaching God. They're constantly insecure about how it is that God views them. In fact, although they know that they were saved and they maybe have access to God, they gauge God's acceptance of them by their track record of good behavior. Even like from week to week, like, well, I wasn't very, you know, I didn't really do a lot for God this week. I'm in fact, the sin list kind of far outweighs the list of things that I did that looked righteous, you know, so probably I don't deserve, I haven't performed enough. I haven't done good enough. So I'm, I'm probably not deserving of righteousness. Whether it is self-sufficiency or self-depreciation, honestly, as a believer, I've found myself in both of these traps. And I'm not talking about like, oh, when I was a baby Christian, yo, Right now, as a mature believer, as a pastor standing on this page telling you things. And that might scare you, but come on, let's be real. When life is going good, when I'm looking around and I'm seeing what I'm a part of in the kingdom, what God is using me for, there can be some pride that wells up in me. That starts to take responsibility and say, oh, it's because of something I did. And you start to take the credit. But then on the flip side, you ever just had a bad week? You made a wrong decision, you sinned, you look around and you're like, I I don't know, I I don't know if I even like people. (sighs) Do I even deserve God's righteousness? But no matter what trap we find ourselves in, whether it's self-depreciation or self-sufficiency, we need to remember the truth that righteousness, it's not something that we earn. It's not something that we try and get from God. Righteousness is something that we've received. You can put that on the screen. I said it wrong. This is more impactful, right? Because it rhymes. <laughs> Write that down if you want. But it is something that we receive. And that's why Paul, when he's talking to this group of people and when he's talking to us, he wants to remind us of this very basic yet easily forgotten truth. That it doesn't matter how long you've been following Jesus. It doesn't. Righteousness is never about self-sufficiency. It is all about dependency. It's about being dependent on him. When I first gave my life to Jesus, I was dependent on him for my righteousness. 
Now that I'm walking out this faith journey, I am still dependent on him for my righteousness. As I continue to walk this out until the end of my days, I am still dependent on him as the provider, the one who brings righteousness to my life. And this is why Paul, going back to our text, uses this very interesting and important word to describe righteousness. It's a word that changes our entire perspective about how we become righteous. And he does this and makes it so clear that this is only a God job. Put that verse back up on the screen. He calls it fruit. Fruit. Says that it's fruit. Philippians 1.7 says he's filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ. So according to Paul, righteousness is a fruit, and it's a fruit that's not self-produced, but it comes only through Jesus Christ. It's a fruit that only comes through him. Now, Paul was speaking to an agrarian culture at the time, the people he was writing to. Means that they understood about trees and fruit production, they understood about crops, this is a way of life for them. In fact, when you read the Bible, and not not just when you read Paul's letters, but when you read the teachings of Jesus, he refers so much to the trees and the things around us and things that were easy for them to understand because it was a way of life. It was their language that he spoke. But I think for us, there's a bit of a disconnect because I don't think there's probably a lot of farmers here in San Francisco. In fact, if you're a farmer, raise your hand because that'd be awesome. Do you visit? No, no farmers? Okay, let's, let's break it down to our size. How about an urban farmer? How many of you have an apple tree in your backyard? Citrus tree? Okay, we got a few, we got a few. Urban farmers. No, actually, one of my favorite urban farmers, he, he didn't, I don't think he raised his hand, but my favorite urban farmer is someone who doesn't live in San Francisco. He commutes out from the suburbs, and that's my father-in-law. If you know him around here and you like him and you love him, you can call him Papa T. That's what my kids call him. But Papa T and, and Nona, they live in the suburbs, and they have a massive backyard. And I love it because I can go retreat there because my backyard's this big. And they've got tons of grass and a pool, but they have such a large backyard that they even have room for like a small orchard. They have apricot trees and peach trees. They have blackberry bushes and raspberry bushes. They've got grapevines growing. They've got pomegranates, they've got lemons. But my favorite thing that they grow is their avocado tree. This is a prized tree in their backyard. And when I say avocado tree, I know, I feel they should be avocados, I don't have apples, but whatever, we'll change that. They have these incredible avocados. And they're not like the run of the mill Hass avocados that you'd buy at the grocery store. These are called bacon avocados. There's literally a piece of bacon wrapped, I'm just kidding. But that would be amazing, make them even better. These are called bacon avocados. And they have spent so much time and care to see this avocado tree thrive. So when they first got it, he was sure to make sure he planted, in, planted it in rich soil. He you know, made sure there was no rocks or boulders or pebbles or things that would, there's nutrients that it needed in the soil. 
And then he was actually strategic about where he planted it because it's close to this shed, which I don't know if you realized that when you did it, but the shed actually helped protect it from some of the wind that would come in that direction. But because they live in a place where the temperatures seemed to drop in the wintertime, when it was small, he would cover it with a blanket so that it wouldn't get, uh, it, it wouldn't wither because of the frostbite. And then when the tree got too big, he got heat lamps that he would position to heat the tree. And then he would read bedtime stories to it every night. <laughs> but I mean, this sounds like a lot of effort and time and care, like watching the weather patterns. We gotta go out, we gotta get the heat lamps, we gotta do all these things. But to take it a step further, a couple years ago, he noticed that there weren't a lot of bees in the backyard. And this is a problem because bees will come and pollinate the tree. And so he looked around and then he did some research online and he purchased himself some pets, sweet little bees. And I was like, you can do that? Like on the, the World Wide Web, you literally bought bees? So these bees came to him in this hibernative state and he placed these little bees in the fridge next to the gallon of milk and left them in their hibernative state. And then he went outside and he built a bee home for the bees, right next to the avocado tree to encourage them that this is where you do your thing. And then he took the little bees and he put the hibernative bees in the bee home and then he read them a bedtime story. No, but he went to great lengths. I mean, it doesn't matter that the bees sting his grandchildren and prevent them from playing in the yard, we must get our incredible avocados, whatever it takes. But with all of this time, with all of this effort, with all the energy that goes into this avocado tree, there is one thing that he is incapable of doing. There's one thing that we would say that is outside of his job description, and that is producing fruit. He's incapable to produce fruit. He can, he can make an environment, make the environment conducive to fruit production, but he in and of himself is unable to produce fruit. And the same goes for you and I. We are incapable of producing fruit. As Christians and followers of Jesus, you can't force fruit. It's outside of our job description. But while we can't grow fruit, there's something that we can do. We can control the environment. If you're taking notes, write this down. My role is the environment. My role is the environment. Jesus said in John 15:4, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. But Paul means here when he says the fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ is that we can't bear fruit apart from abiding in Christ. And abiding is all about environment. Uh, this word, if you look at the word in the Greek, the word for abide, one of the definitions for it is the word kept. And I love that it, 
it is this word kept because it reminds me of a gardening term. So I wanna ask you today, how are you keeping your garden? How are you keeping your garden? Is your life the kind of environment where fruit can grow? When you look and survey your life, is it a place where fruit can be produced? Let's start with where Papa T started with the, the avocado tree, when he planted it in the soil. I wanna ask you today, are you planted? Psalm 92.13 says, if we are planted in the house of God, we will flourish. I think this is a really important question in this day and age. The season of where the church is, the state of where the church is at. And I'm not saying as a whole, I'm saying for every single believer. A lot of people have come to the church over the last nine weeks and we are so happy that so many people have come in. But there's a lot of people that haven't been planted yet. There's a lot of nomadic Christians out there trying to do life on their own and they're not planted and rooted. Do you know what happens when you plan? It's not just like, that's my church. No, you cause your roots to go down into the soil where you can be stable. Planted, it means I'm a part of this community. Planted means I, I maybe serve on a team with a community of people that now are my friends and now are involved in my life. Or I'm a part of a group where people have permission to ask me the hard questions and I've laid my life out. And what happens with those roots is they go down deep and they start to go down so deep in the ground that they start to attach to some other roots, some other trees that are planted and you have a stability. So are you planted? And also as you survey your garden, I wanna ask you this, when you look around, are there any weeds? Are there any pests? Are there any things that are causing you to not grow or are preventing you from thriving? Are there some things in your life that you're like, ooh, we can catch the weed whacker, we can get that sucker out here. I need to eliminate, ooh, I didn't realize that was over there. Are so, there's some things that you're doing, some choices that you're making, some things that you've invited into your environment that are causing you to not, just not grow, but not thrive. What do we need to weed out? Maybe those pests are people. Are there some people in your world that have a louder voice than the voice of God? Are there some people that you've invited into the garden and they're closer to you than they are to maybe voices that would point you into the direction of what God would say over your life? There's some weeds, there's some pests we need to kick out of our environment. Next, how are you feeding yourself? Are you getting the nutrients that you need? Are you picking up your daily bread? Because this is not an archaic book. I want God to speak to me. It's right here. He has a verse for the day for you. He has a message he wants to give you. He has something that he wants to speak over you. He wants to build you up. He wants to, to equip you to be able to stand in this garden, to be in this life. Are you getting your daily bread? And are you spending the time rooting out maybe some things that don't belong? 
Maybe through fasting. What? Don't eat? You just told me to eat. Yeah, eat the word, but sometimes we need to starve the flesh. Maybe there's some things in us that we need to root out, and that only comes by fasting and prayer. Are you spending time looking around, surveying the land, saying, who can I serve? How can I be less self-sufficient? Oh, let me look out among the other trees around me, and what can I do for somebody else? I have one more question for you. I've asked you a lot of questions, but band, you guys can come as I ask this. Are you taking personal responsibility for your environment? Are you taking responsibility? Listen, I can get even more practical with you about what we need to do to tend to our garden, to look around at our environment. But if you take nothing away from the sermon today, I want you to take this. You can write this down. Your environment is your responsibility. What's my role? What's my job? The environment. I'm not talking about global environment. Like, yeah, be a part of that too. How about your environment? Because God is the one who is responsible for the fruit. That's his job. But we've got to give him something to work with. Now, if you look around and you survey your life and you say, I don't see the fruit of righteousness taking place in my life. It's not because you're not trying hard enough or God's not doing his job good enough. I think it's because we've got some environmental impacts that are keeping us from being the place where God can come and produce the fruit in our life. I think it's time that we take responsibility. If there's something that we want you to get through this is, what is my job? Don't overcomplicate it. Pay attention to your environment because God wants to come and produce the fruit in your life. He wants to come alongside you and he wants to cause you to flourish. But we gotta look around at the things that are hindering us and keeping him from doing that. So let's know our role. Let's not play God and try and force fruit and try and make righteousness happen. Let's pay attention to our role. Let's survey our environment so that God can come and produce the fruit of righteousness in our lives. Really quick before we go, when it comes to this fruit, I don't know if you've ever paid attention to a tree and the fact that as a tree grows, this is a really common thing, but I know we're not farmers, so I'm just gonna let you know about this. Have you ever noticed that a tree doesn't eat its own fruit? Huh? A tree can't eat its own fruit. It's impossible. So who's the fruit for? Other people. It's for other people. I love what it says in 2 Corinthians 5.20. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. 
What is your role? What is the fruit of your life? It's for your friends. It's for your family. It's for your kids so that you can hand them some fruit and say, hey, follow me as I follow Christ. It's for the people in your sphere of influence. It's for the people at your workplace. What is the fruit for? It's for other people. It's so that you can appeal to them. Come back to God. That is who it's for. I love this appeal. Hey, let us be who God created us be. It blows my mind all the time that God actually uses human beings to advance the kingdom of God upon the earth. He's the God of heaven. I'm like, you're choosing me? Come on, but it is all His righteousness through us. It's all the fruit that goes out to feed the people. So would you pray with me today? Father, right now, I thank you so much that you're the one that produces righteousness in me. And if I've been living in self-sufficiency, if I've been trying to take credit for what you're doing, I'd, I lay that at your feet right now. And if I am constantly self-depreciating and saying I'm don't, not deserving of it, God, I lay that pride down too. All the self-righteousness that tries to take its place right now, I just lay that down. And I declare you're the one, I remind myself that you are the one who produces righteousness within me. And I'm gonna pay attention to my garden, my environment. Father, I pray even right now that you would speak to people of what they need to tend to, the things they need to get out of the way, or the things that they need to invite in so that they would be the environment for fruit to grow, for you to do what you do. And right now, I wanna pray for another group of people in the room as I'm talking about righteousness and I'm reminding us that righteousness only comes from God, that Jesus gave his life for us so that we could be called righteous and that he took all of our sin. Maybe some of you are in the room and you'd say, I find myself here today listening, but I am far from God and I don't wanna be far from God any longer. Right now, if that's you, if you say I'm far from God, but I don't wanna be any longer, would you be so bold right now? No one's looking around. Would you lift your hand if you wanna know Jesus? If you wanna get to know him today? Come on, I see right over there. If that's you, I want you to pray with me. There's this simple invitation. It's not in the eloquence of our words, but there is a prayer I wanna pray with you where you can invite the King of heaven, the one who makes you righteous into your life right now. Right now, just simply repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. And right now I choose to follow after you. Thank you right now for the fact that I can hand you all of my sin. And thank you that I can receive your righteousness. I hand you my sin right now and I receive your righteousness. I choose to follow you today, to walk in your ways and be your disciple for the rest of my days. Love you, Jesus. Thank you for every person that prayed that prayer and is following after you. Come on, can we give it up for those who've said yes to Jesus today? Hey, if that was you, we've got something sitting around you. It's a glow card, it says next steps. We don't want you just to pray a prayer, but we wanna help you start your journey strong. 
And we know that the Bible can be big and kind of confusing at first. So we wanna be kind of a personal coach to you. We do something called First 40. And it's a group that meets throughout the week and they will teach you how to read your Bible. They'll teach you what prayer is. They'll teach you about baptism and they will take you through the start of your journey to help you build a strong foundation. So fill that card out because we wanna help you start your journey strong. The next thing that we do beyond first 40, we wanna do, we wanna, I wanna follow in Anthony and Mia's footsteps and get baptized if that's you and you have never been water baptized. The Bible says repent, which you just did when you prayed that prayer and you asked Jesus into your life, says, and then be baptized. These are not two separate acts, so don't wait too long. I'm gonna invite you to be baptized at one of our weekend services. Well, thank you so much for being here today. Would you guys stand to your feet? We're gonna have our team come down and we are available to pray for you if you need it. Other than that, we've got donuts on the porch and coffee. And if you're sticking around later for Discover, we will see you there. We love you guys. Have an incredible weekend. Hey, thanks for taking the time to listen to the Father's House podcast. We hope it helped you wherever you're at in your journey. And listen, we wanna pray with you if you're going through something right now that's difficult. You can go to our website, tfh.church, and click on the prayer and praise link and tell us how to join you in prayer. Until next time, be blessed.